Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. It was a tough loss for the Raiders last week, but they got a chance to bounce back against the Arizona Cardinals this Sunday. But before all that, we've got to go over the news, injury report, and answer your mailbag questions. With that, let's do it. I'll kick things off with the best news coming out of Las Vegas, and that is Darren Waller and the Raiders have agreed to a contract extension. Waller signed a three-year, $51 million extension, officially making him the highest paid tight end on an annual basis at $17 million per year. That's nearly a $10 million raise as he was making about $7.25 million on his previous deal and was the 17th highest paid tight end, if my memory serves me correct. Pro Football Talk released the details of Waller's new contract, so we'll go over a few of the highlights with you guys. Waller got $19.25 million in guaranteed at signing, and he'll get another $2.75 million fully guaranteed if he's still on the roster by the third day of the new league year in 2023, which is typically in the beginning of March. Something tells me he'll still be on the roster, so he'll likely be getting $22 million in guaranteed money from this new contract. It also includes up to $1.275 million annually of per-game roster bonuses, a $2,000 off-season workout bonus every year, and $1.25 million worth of Pro Bowl incentives. One other cool note about Waller's new contract, I'm sure you guys are well aware of his story about battling addiction, and at one point he took a job at Sprouts Farmer's Market, the grocery store chain, so when Waller signed his new deal, he sported a Sprouts t-shirt to symbolize how far he's come. This is a pretty awesome story that I'm sure will be a movie someday, and I couldn't be happier for Waller and the Raiders as they get to keep the superstar tight end in the silver and black for what will likely be the rest of his career. As a side note, but a related note, Waller also turned 30 on Tuesday, so this is quite the early birthday present. Our next piece of news I wish I had in time to tell you guys last week, but that's just how it goes as the Raiders announced their eight captains for the season on Friday morning. Your 2022 Las Vegas Raiders captains are as follows. Quarterback Derek Carr, edge defender Max Crosby, wide receiver Devontae Adams, left tackle Colton Miller, linebacker Denzel Perryman, safety Deron Harmon, punter A.J. Cole, and wide receiver Mac Hollins. Carr and Crosby were both captains last season, but this is the first time for Miller, Perryman, and Cole have been selected. Adams, Harmon, and Hollins all were all signed in the offseason, so obviously this is their first time leading the silver and black, and the latter two are kind of interesting selections. Harmon isn't a typical starter, granted he is a veteran who's been working with the coaching staff for a while and was praised for his leadership during camp. Hollins also isn't atop the depth chart, but he is a bit of a special teams warrior and it sounds like he and Cole are more of the special teams captains, if you will. The one omission that I thought was interesting was Waller, who was a captain last season. However, he missed the majority of training camp with a contract negotiations injury, so that might have played a factor. Regardless, the team's leaders are set for the season. After placing cornerback Anthony Averitt on injured reserve with a broken thumb, the Raiders were active in the free agent market this week. First, they claimed cornerback Javelin Guidry after the Cardinals waived him. Guidry is a SoCal guy from Marietta, California, and went on to play his college ball at the University of Utah. 
Back in 2020, he turned some heads at the Combine with a 4-2-9-40 time, but ended up going undrafted and signed with the Jets. He spent some time on the practice squad in New York before eventually getting the call up as a rookie, but he's waived at the end of the training camp this season. Guidry was picked off waivers by the Cardinals, but then Arizona waived him at the end of last week, making him available for the Raiders to pick up. The three-year veteran has 70 career total tackles, three PBUs, and four forced fumbles in his career. But the Raiders weren't done there. They also added veteran cornerback Nikel Robbie Coleman to the practice squad. Robbie Coleman was originally from Frostpooth, Florida, but headed west to play his college ball at USC, where he was a first-team All-Pac-12 performer. However, he went undrafted in 2013 and signed with the Buffalo Bills, where he made the roster and played for four seasons. In 2017, Robbie Coleman then headed back out west to play for the LA Rams, and the following year, he was the instigator in that famous non-pass interference call in the NFC Championship game against the Saints. The cornerback would go on to play with the Eagles in 2020 and spent last season on the Lions practice squad. He has 334 total tackles, 6 interceptions, and 49 pass breakups in his career. The Raiders also signed center Billy Price to the practice squad, who is a 5-year veteran with 34 career starts and 58 games played. Austintown, Ohio is where Price hails from, and he's been an Ohio man through and through as he went to Ohio State and was the Bengals' first round pick back in 2018. He spent last season with the Giants and could get elevated to the Raiders' active roster this week if Andre James doesn't recover from his concussion by Sunday. Las Vegas put wide receiver DJ Turner on IR this week after Turner sprained his ankle against the Chargers. He's expected to come back to the active roster at some point, but the team elevated Keelan Cole off the practice squad for the time being. Guess what? I'm still not done going over all of the roster transaction as the Raiders placed wide receiver Dylan Stoner on the practice squad reserve slash injured list and brought Chris Lacey in to take his spot. Lacey was with the Raiders during the preseason this year, but had no catches on two targets and only played in one game offensively, two including special teams. To keep the numbers right with all the additions, the team released defensive tackle Kyle Pecco from the practice squad. The Raiders also had a familiar face in for a visit this week as Kelechi Osimile met with the team's brass. Osimile has not played since injuring both of his knees in, two, in week 5 of 2020, and as of Thursday night, no deal has been reached between him and the team. In their long history, the Raiders have only had two head equipment managers, Richard and Bob Romanski. Richard was a longtime friend of Al Davis, so when Davis became the head coach, he brought Richard as the team's equipment manager. Bob would later follow in his dad's footsteps and has been with the organization for 40 years. Since getting hired, Bob has been well-revered for his work ethic by several notable Raiders like Matt Millen and Derek Carr. Well, now Bob's recognition goes beyond the silver and black as he's been named the NFL's Equipment Manager of the Year. That's an awesome honor for someone who's typically doing all of his work behind the scenes, and it's good to know that Las Vegas has the best equipment manager in the business. Alright, I'll wrap up the news here with a few quick notes. The first comes from Raider Nation's good friend, Josh Dubow of the Associated Press. Dubow recently tweeted where the Raiders rank in cap spending on the offensive line, and Las Vegas comes in just above last place at 31st in the league for O-line spending. That's their lowest salary cap allocation to the position group since Derek Carr's rookie year in 2014, and even then they ranked 23rd in the league. Overthecap.com recently shared their preliminary projections for 2023 comp picks and had the Raiders getting two a fifth rounder for wide receiver Zay Jones, and a sixth for cornerback Brandon Faison. Things can change, but the Raiders might have a couple of extra picks coming their way this offseason. The ratings are in for week one, and someone shared which markets were down in the local viewership compared to last year's opening week, 
and I've got to say guys, I'm a little disappointed. The Raiders had the biggest drop in local viewership across the league at negative 26%, and the next closest was Boston at 18%. Granted, playing on Monday night last season plays a factor into this, as Baltimore was also in the top 5 with a 12% drop, but still, that's too much for Las Vegas, so I'm going to put a challenge out there to the Raider Nation desert chapter. Watch the games and boost those ratings up. Moving on to the injury report, unfortunately this week isn't clean like last week's. Running back Brandon Bolden missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday with a hamstring injury, so if he can't go, expect to see Amir Abdullah take over as the third down back, as Amir White might get his first NFL carry. I mentioned center Andre James's concussion, and he hasn't practiced all week either. That could mean rookie Dylan Parnum slides over against the Cardinals, and either Veronis Grasso or Billy Price gets the call up for the game. Safety Trevon Merrick left the season opener with a hip injury, and he hasn't been back on the field ever since. Deron Harmon will likely fill in for Merrick if he's not ready in time. Linebacker Denzel Perryman also got banged up against the Chargers and has been a DNP all week. Expect to see the Raiders run a lot more nickel with Divine Diablo and Jayon Brown if Perryman can't go, but Luke Masterson was the next guy off the bench last week, so he might be in for some more playing time. On to the Cardinals. The important injuries that you need to know about are wide receiver Rondale Moore missed last week and has been held out of practice all week. This week, with a hamstring injury, cornerback and former Raider Trayvon Mullen was limited with that toe injury, defensive end J.J. Watt was limited with a calf, and tight end Zach Ertz also has a calf injury and missed practice on Wednesday, but he was a full go on Thursday, and that'll do it for the injury report. Mailbag time. Reminder to have your questions answered on a future show. Tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, adamholder95, or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First up, looking at the next four games, what's the minimal acceptable record for the Raiders to have going into the bye week in your view? So just to recap, obviously this week they're at home against the uh, Cardinals, next week they're on the road against the Titans, then they'll come back home and play the Broncos, and then go on the road for Monday Night Football against the Chiefs. To me, I think the Raiders got to go into the bye week at 3-2. and two. So what would that be? Winning three out of the next four. Um, I, th- I really do think they should have no problem winning this week. The Cardinals are banged up. The Cardinals have a good offense. They have a good receiving core. But especially if Rondell Moore can't play, obviously DeAndre Hopkins is out too with that suspension. I really think the Raiders should have no problem beating the Cardinals. And I'd be kind of worried if they don't beat the Cardinals, to be honest with you. I'm not going to put too much weight into a week one loss to the Chargers who look great. But if they start losing the Cardinals, then I think we can start to hover over the panic button and worry about this team, and maybe they're not quite as good as we thought. But again, I think they'll win this week. And then the Titans, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't think the uh, I don't think the Titans are all that good this year. I'm not a big fan of them. I think the Raiders should be able to beat them too, and I would expect them to be able to beat them. I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans aren't a playoff team this year. I think Tannehill is on the decline. So another game where you know, I'd kind of be a little bit worried if they lost the Titans. Not too much since it is a road game. The Titans are at least decent, have Derrick Henry and all that. But I, I'm going to go into that game expecting the Raiders to win. So I think they can get that one. And then the Broncos and Chiefs. I mean, Broncos just did not look great on uh, on Monday night. That'd be another game where, you know, a week ago, I probably would have been a little bit more worried about. But this week, I again, I feel like, or heading into it now, I feel like the Raiders should be able to take care of business and beat the Broncos. And then the Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs. They're playing right now on Thursday Night Football as I record this. Um, You know, I just look at it as you can't lose your first three divisional games. So if they lose to the Chiefs and the Broncos, 
then I think again, another time to hit the panic button. We've talked all offseason about how this AFC West is going to be competitive. Starting an 0-3 hole is not a great start to the season. Now, my standard is obviously a little bit higher than that. I'm expecting them to win three out of the next four. I get the feeling they're probably going to drop the one to the Chiefs and Arrowhead. You know, I obviously, with it being primetime, I don't think the Raiders can be sneaking up on the Chiefs or anything like that. So I would be I would be comfortable with them heading into the bye week at three and two. I think this is probably the the hardest part of their uh, their schedule, and I think it eases up a little bit. I don't have it memorized. I think they play the Texans out of the bye, and it gets a little bit softer going forward. So yeah, I'd say three and two. If they can do that. That'd be great. They can win the next four, being four and one, obviously be in much better shape. But yeah, three and two with a loss to the Chiefs is kind of how I see this playing out. And to me, that's the the bare minimum that they can do to to have me or to inspire confidence that they can make the play, a playoff run this year uh, and the rest of the fan base. Next question: If Parham starts for the injured Andre James this week, does James ever get his spot back? So I know some people are, are down on James, and I know my guy, uh, my guy Marcus Johnson is probably the biggest culprit and biggest Andre James hater out there. Make sure you tweet that at him when, while you're listening to this. But I, to me, the way I look at the Raiders' offensive line is Andre James is far from the problem. In fact, Andre James is probably the second-best offensive lineman on the offensive line. Um, so if Parham plays well, okay, maybe they figure out who's going to play center, but... I would think that Jane, or Parham would probably move back to guard and take Lester Cotton's spot. Heck, and I'm going to go against completely against my guy Marcus Johnson over here. I believe in Andre James more than I believe in John Simpson too. So when for those that don't know, Simpson is, a, is one of Marcus's guys. So for me, the way I kind of look at it is even if Parham plays well and even if he plays well at center, okay, maybe you move him back to guard or maybe you try and have James Luke, uh, learn guard or something like that. But I don't know. I'm not in the camp where I think Andre James sucks. I think Andre James has a lot of potential, and I think he can be a, be a good center for him. I think he can be a quality player for him. I thought he finished the year strong last year. Obviously still has room for growth, but to me, he's far from the problem on this offensive line. And even if Parham plays well, um, you know, I, I think he'll still have a spot back when he does get back. It'll probably only be a week with a concussion, maybe two, depending on how bad it is. But yeah, I'm not in the camp that I think Andre James is in any danger. And unless Lester Cotton goes out and has a miraculous game against the Cardinals, again, I, I think uh, if anyone should be worried, it should be should be Cotton and not James. Last question here. Do you think the Raiders regret trading Trayvon Mullen now that Anthony Avery is out and they're thin at quarterback? Kind of yes and no, which is a great non-answer. There was a rumor that Trayvon Mullen was going to start the year on injured reserve for the Raiders so he wouldn't be eligible to play anyway. And obviously he missed last week with the uh, the same toe injury that's been bugging him for the last, I guess, year now. Um, and it's questionable again this week. So from that stance, I mean, even if they had Trayvon Mullen on the roster, he probably wouldn't be playing anyway. But obviously now you look back on it and say, maybe if he wasn't going to go on injury reserve or something like that, probably regret it a little bit. I mean, they're plucking guys off the street. I think that says a lot about what they think about Amic Robinson, who struggled, as we know, last year. And then this year or this week didn't play that much in relief of Averitt. But I know the one play that sticks out in my mind is he missed a tackle, which has been a big issue for Robinson in the past. So there might be a little bit of regret from that standpoint. But again, if they're going to put him on IR anyway, he wouldn't be available. So I don't know if there's that much internal regret. But it definitely looks like a 
like a trade that's not exactly working out in their favor with Avery getting injured. But again, I mean, how are you going to predict that a guy is going to break his thumb in the, the first game of the year? So I'm not going to hold that against them too much. But it uh, it would definitely be nice, I will say, to have a guy in the chamber or on the bench that they could call up to that they've relied on in the past. But again, who knows if Trayvon Mullen was even available. If he plays this week and balls out on Sunday, which knowing the Raiders' luck probably wouldn't be out of the question, but um, then maybe it hurts a little bit more, but I don't think that happens. I don't even know if he's going to end up playing, so it could kind of be water under the bridge. All right, that'll do it for this week's show. As your weekly reminder, the Raiders kick off at 125 on CBS. This is for you Las Vegas people, so make sure you tune in, and there's no excuses not to be watching. As always, thank you for listening. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next week.